you can see these large footprints embedded into the carpet, creeping along the wall ninja style. She raised her arms up over her head and started to come towards me. And she had her mouth open like she was screaming. I hear my sister on the top bunk say, Ashley, you could see pieces of her hair being twirled in thin air. But now all of a sudden the green orb comes towards our truck and it shoots out over the mountains into outer space. It is gone. So that is my ghost story. Hi, and welcome to Haunted AF, the podcast of real ghost stories told by real people. I am your host, Julie Fisk, and sadly, Rebecca Black cannot join us today. She is busy at work. Coming up, we're going to talk with Jeff Bellinger. He's a paranormal expert who worked extensively on the Discovery Plus shock jock, The Devil Made Me Do It, which, of course, explores the true case of The Conjuring 3, or what that movie is based on. Also going to share a sample of the Movie Minute podcast, which Rebecca and I just launched. That's featuring our review of The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. First, a quick reminder that even though we are between seasons, Haunted AF is still posting new content on our Patreon page. You can find that at patreon.com backslash Haunted AF. We're also currently collecting stories for season six of Haunted AF, so please send all that scary stuff to hauntedafpodcast at gmail.com. Also sending out big love today to Emma from the Real Life Ghost Stories podcast. We found out Dan just passed away unexpectedly. They're asking for privacy right now. Of course, Emma going through a really difficult time. So y'all send out big love, prayer, support, all the mojo and love and light you can muster. Please send it towards Emma because I can't even begin to imagine. So we have Jeff Bellinger on the line with us now. Hi, Jeff. Hey, Julie. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for waiting through all of that. Jeff is, gosh, you have done so much from PBS, New England Legends, from Ghost Adventures, authors of countless books, including The Call of Kilimanjaro, recent guest on the Chris Jericho podcast, which we are huge fans of the Talk is Jericho podcast. And you are currently featured as a paranormal expert on the Discovery Plus Shock Jock. (laughs) I say that every damn time I try to say this. (laughs) Discovery Plus Shock Doc. The devil made me do it. And how are you doing this morning? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, Excited to be talking about this. It's been um, been quite a road. First of all, I've noticed that you've got all kinds of paranormal experience, the books you've written, the shows that you've done. What piqued your interest in the paranormal to start? So I grew up in Newtown, Connecticut, which is where this case started, the Devil Made Me Do It case. And I knew Ed and Lorraine Warren since the time I was 12 years old. So it's one of those things you kind of grow up steeped in it. Um, I had a friend who said his house was haunted. It was built in 1760. We were England when that house was built. He was just sort of matter of fact, like, oh yeah, there's an old guy that we see walk down the hall and then he disappears. And I was just like, really? I mean, it was nothing like Hollywood. It was just like, yeah, no big deal. No one's afraid. He doesn't hurt anybody. And, you know, we have sleepovers and things like that. And then Ed and Lorraine Warren, we would go see them in the fall. They would do their programs and share their stories and play their audio evidence and show the pictures and all that stuff. And I was just like, wow. I mean, right here in in my own neighborhood. And you got to realize back then, these guys were just regional celebrities. If you were into the paranormal, if you weren't into the paranormal, you wouldn't even know them. That definitely had an influence. And I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. And this subject just sucked me in early on. We have to talk about Ed and Lorraine Warren, if you don't mind, just for a minute, because... No, anything you want. Rebecca and I both have always just hook, line, and sinker into the Conjuring movies and the stories behind them, and we love them. And along the way, we start hearing these creepy stories about Ed and Lorraine themselves. And we even talk in the Movie Minute podcast about this Hollywood Reporter story that came out about Penny living in the house. Like, what was your experience with them as just people? Yeah, so from the time I knew them, Lorraine was 
was like everybody's grandma. In fact, I knew her, like I said, from age 12. I interviewed her when I was in college and then out of college working for newspapers. And then we started speaking at some of the same conferences near the end of her life. You know, I remember seeing her in Chicago and I was always, honey, how are you, honey? You know, and (laughs) just so sweet. Ed was charming. Ed was super charming and also, um, I think, viewed himself as like a spiritual warrior. You know, a very Roman Catholic, I am here to do God's work and fight the devil and fight evil. Evil exists in the world and I'm going to find it and seek it out. That was his life's work. Actually, I was with John Zappas, their nephew, just this past weekend at a conference and we were talking about how the only thing Ed Warren loved almost as much as ghosts was the media. By the way, he would tell you the same thing. He would say, I use the media to get the word out about what I do. I mean, back in the 1980s, there weren't 30 reality shows looking for ghosts. There were no podcasts. There was no websites. There was just a few people who were out there prominently writing books and things like that, but nobody in the popular culture. They were the early paranormal celebrities. And so Ed would invite the press in to his investigations. He would take people in and say, no, I want you to see this. He was trying to prove something to the world. And the media, that was his way of doing it, was to get into newspaper articles and and magazine articles and get interviewed on radio and whatever he could do. (laughs) So let's talk about Arnie Johnson. How did this whole thing get started? It all started in July of 1980 when Arnie Johnson, 18 years old, is moving into a rented house in Newtown, Connecticut uh, with his girlfriend, Debbie Glassell. The first day they're moving in, something feels really weird with the house. And Debbie's family, who lived in Brookfield, comes to help. During that first day, everybody's uncomfortable, but something attacks her 11-year-old brother, David, pushes him down on the bed, and David sees this wretched old man. He calls the old man's ghost, and then he doesn't want any part of this. He waits outside the rest of the day. By the time they get back to their house in Brookfield, he says, I can see the old man coming this way. He looks like a beast now, right? And, And this beast is coming toward the house. And what kicks off from there is a case of, according to Ed and Lorraine, diabolical possession that moved faster than any case they had ever seen where uh, in a matter of days, this kid went from seeing this thing to being oppressed and then eventually overtaken by it. This is devout Catholic family that reaches out to their priest and they get house blessings and candles and prayers. And then pretty soon they say, listen, you might want to call Ed and Lorraine Warren, who live just two towns away, by the way. And growing up in that area, I mean, you just knew it, right? If, if someone's like, oh, that building's haunted. Really? How do you know? Well, Ed and Lorraine Warren checked it out. Well, that's, that was the end of it. That's how you proved it. So Ed and Lorraine Warren get involved and they're going to start documenting everything they can because they're seeing that this kid's being attacked by unseen forces. They're seeing that he's speaking in other languages. He can see through walls or he knows things he shouldn't know. Ed suspects something diabolical is going on. And in the span of that summer, they move it up through the church and and finally uh, get the authorization for the minor rite of exorcism on the young boy. But when this kid is just being attacked, Arnie Johnson, who's living with them at the time, jumps on the kid to try to help and says, listen, pick on someone your own size, pick on me instead. And Lorraine Warren would tell you that that's the instant that Arnie Johnson opened the door and threw out the welcome mat for that entity to come into him. And though nothing happened to Arnie that day, by September, David and Debbie move into an apartment in Brookfield that's attached to a dog groomer. Debbie's a dog groomer. And so her boss and landlord live there and things seem like they're okay. But then it's February and they'd been drinking all day, Debbie and Arnie and their boss. And suddenly a fight erupts between Arnie and the landlord. And Debbie says something changed in Arnie in an instant. His face wasn't his. His eyes changed everything. And the next thing she knew, the landlord is dead. And having seen The Conjuring 3 now, it's so wild to know that all of these things in the movie actually happened. Because it's tough when you watch The Conjuring films to know, like, well, how much of this is real and how much isn't? But this is all, like, documented stuff. So Arnie and then the little boy. Is that David? Is that his name? David is the young boy, yeah. Okay, 
Where are they today? What kind of lives do they live now? Arnie is in the documentary. You get to hear from him. And you get to hear from Debbie. Those two are like the central figures. Debbie was there when the murder took place. Besides Arnie, she's the only other living witness. Actually, Debbie just passed away in April, just a couple months ago. But Arnie is, is still around. They were married a long time. This is really the first time he comes forward. And when you see his interview in this documentary, what I like about it is you can tell this is not a polished media professional, right? right? But I think he understands, you know, I know what's going to happen because I saw what happened after the first Conjuring movie. Right. I, I live about 30 minutes from the, the Conjuring house in Rhode Island. I've been there. I knew the owner before. I knew the owners now. I know the whole parent family. I know the, the Warrens. I know Keith and Carl Johnson, the first investigators in there. Been in the house multiple times. That house, before the Conjuring movie, you would drive right by it. Like, who cares? You yeah. wouldn't even know. But then the movie came out, which was nothing in the world like what happened there. They said, okay, parent family in a house in Burville, Rhode Island. And they threw that in a room full of like horror writers. It's all they had to go on. And they just went wherever they wanted with it, which is fine. I I actually think it was a fun movie. Really liked it. But it's not a documentary. It's just very loosely based on a true story. But today, that house has got security like you wouldn't believe because people have tried to break in. Someone once went on there with a can of gas to try to burn the demons out of the house. Oh, my gosh. You know, not okay. Right. Not okay. Like, And no one ever claimed there were demons in that house. The movie did, but no one in the real cases ever. It's one of those things where now that it's in the popular culture, I know there's going to be trouble for Brookfield and Newtown and people are going to try to find these houses and find these people. So Arnie kind of came out and said, this is what I experienced. This is what I remember. This is what I don't remember. I'm glad he did it. It's interesting. You know, we hear about Arnie and then, of course, there's been all this focus on Roland Doe after the Mm -hmm. documentary about the exorcist. Are there cases like this happening today? Are there exorcisms happening right now that we're not aware of? Absolutely. Yeah. And the Catholic Church keeps that really quiet. Remarkably so. Well, I mean, they've been keeping a lot of secrets over the years, haven't they? (laughs) (laughs) And I say that as a guy that was raised Catholic, but um, they're still happening. In fact, I've got a friend who's involved with the Pittsburgh Archdiocese that says like, yeah, this is going on all the time and I will never talk about it on the record, but it's happening. And so what makes this case different is that someone died. When there's a death, when there's a murder, that takes things to a new level. And in fact, like I was uh, was on a radio show in, in Long Island and they're like, oh, we all think of Amityville. I'm like, I get it. Amityville, six people were murdered. That turns this from like, oh, my house is haunted. It's got this old ghost in it. That doesn't get turned into Hollywood horror movies. But when there's murder involved, it changes everything. Well, and that's one of the things we always tell people when people share stories and they're concerned about things happening in their house. We always say, well, it might be alarming, but it's not going to hurt you. What would you say... I mean, we do get so many emails and phone calls from people who are like, you know, oh, we hear the knocking or the whispering and then there's voices and everything. And it seems like sometimes it starts kind of small when these things kind of get going. What makes that difference between just a simple haunting, the grandpa walking down the hall situation, and then something that's more oppressive? Like, what can people do to protect themselves? At some point, it becomes this uh, downward spiral. Right. And like you said, it does start subtle. And and to me, this is what makes the real cases so much more frightening than Hollywood. Right. So Hollywood gets an hour and a half and a Hollywood horror movie is supposed to feel like a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You get on it. It's a little bit calm as you climb up that first hill and then it's nonstop. Whoa. Right. Until right. the very end. And it's over in a short period of time. In reality, especially with some of these darker hauntings, you can go weeks, even months with nothing happening, which in some ways is worse because you're like, ah, did I just dream that up? Maybe it was my imagination. You just start to calm down and then you hear the footsteps again or you right. hear the scratching on the wall or you see something change in a loved one. You're kept on edge all the time, which is so much worse. I mean, that's just chipping away at your sanity. Mm-hmm. And so in some, some regards, I think this stuff gets in as much as you let it in. 
and how you protect yourself, like we're all individuals. There's no foolproof way. If you're a spiritual person, you should use your spiritual toolbox. I try to go running a few times a week to just exercise and keep my body strong and clear my head. Whatever you need to do to take good care of yourself is what you need to do. Like you, most cases I hear about would never get made into a movie. A lot of them are like grandma died three weeks ago and I feel like I got some closure. She was just standing there. She smiled. I teared up and it just felt like the goodbye I didn't get. I hear that story so often and it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's not scary at all. Or it's just, you know, we were doing some renovations in the house and this old guy just sort of showed up and looked at us and then vanished. Get off my lawn, I guess, in like the paranormal <laughs> realm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Angry grandpa. The hell off my lawn, you ingrate kids. Uh, but, uh, and then it's over and it's very benign. I do feel like anxiety seems to fuel it sometimes. Like the more oh, scared no. you are. Because you always hear about these people who like, oh, I grew up in a haunted house and we would see grandma's legs walking down, you know, just her legs walking down <laughs> yeah. the hallway. And then they just go on about their lives and everything is fine. So it does seem like the more attention and fear that kind of feeds into it. Here's the thing. We are animals. We just are. Mm-hmm. And when you're afraid, your senses get sharper. And it doesn't matter if you're afraid of ghosts or you're walking in a scary alleyway. When you get afraid, your sense of hearing is sharper. Your sense of sight is sharper. Adrenaline starts to course through your body. It hits the hippocampus, which is tied to the long-term memory portion of our brains. Because if there's danger and you get out of it, you are going to want to remember it forever Mm -hmm. because you can pass that information on. You can get out of it in the future. When we're a little bit scared, our senses are all heightened. And I believe personally, that would include our, our kind of psychic sense, our sixth sense where we start to feel things beyond just the normal like touches of the skin because our bodies are are sensing some sort of danger and we need to be ready to fight or flight in any direction. A question I've been asked before is like, you know, why are cemeteries haunted? You're a ghost. You can go anywhere. Why the hell would you be around a boring old boneyard? Well, because when when living people are there, right, you know that's your ultimate destination. You're going to be in the ground as worm food one day. All of us, that's the ultimate destination. And we get a little bit nervous. We get a little scared. And then we start to like pick up on stuff that's probably around us in the Walmart too, but we're not thinking about that when we're buying the giant box of Twinkies. We say all the time, because we get so many emails from people who say, I never saw anything until I started listening to your podcast. Now I'm hearing things, I'm (laughs) noticing things in my house. And we always say, well, it's like when you're open to it, that's when you're going to start seeing these things. We're not haunting you. It's always there. It's just maybe the volume is turned up now that you're a little open to it. Jeff Bellinger, paranormal expert from the Discovery Plus Shock Doc, The Devil Made Me Do It. What are you working on right now? You are always busy. In fact, give us your website. It's jeffbelanger.com, just my name. And then uh, you can also find me on on Twitter and uh, Instagram and Facebook. Always happy to interact. I'm still working on ghost adventures every episode since episode one uh, as the writer and researcher. That's still going, which is amazing. And I'm I'm doing a weekly New England Legends podcast, which is just a short, you know, scripted weird story from New England every single week. Still writing new books and still having adventures. Just grateful that this is what I get to do for a job, you know. How do you keep from just being scared shitless all the time? <laughs> you know, I, I, I've got to find my own balance every day, especially, you know, because some days, I, I mean, I'm a researcher and I go deep down some rabbit holes sometimes and I'm interviewing people that have been through some of the most horrific stuff ever. And you hang up and you just feel like awful. You know, you've just been in this dark place. And so for me, I, just, I try to go hiking. I try to be outside. I try to exercise, go running, just to take care of myself physically. That seems to make me be able to do it all again tomorrow. Because you can very easily in this work get yourself into, you know, not to get too highfalutin, but the Nietzsche quote, right? You know, gaze long into the abyss. The abyss gazes back. Ooh. Uh, it's so true. You know, I've I've felt that gaze before and you want to not stare too long. Stop it. You just gave me chills. (laughs) That was creepy. (laughs) 
Well, Jeff, thank you so much. And hey, if you ever need help with that research, Rebecca and I, we're all about it. We love this stuff. So uh, if you ever have anything to promote, anything you want to talk about, please get in touch with us. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. All right. Good talking to you. Thanks so much. And if you've been wondering about The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It, Rebecca and I do cover it in our latest Movie Minute podcast. So here's a little taste of that. Hi, welcome to the Julie Says So Movie Minute. I'm your host, Julie Fisk, and I am joined by my Haunted AF co-host, Rebecca Black. Hello. So remember, you need to head to juliesayso.com if you want reviews for any of the current movies that are in theaters. And in fact, right now on the website, I have a review written by Chris Ramirez Mm -hmm. of Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. Now, Rebecca, you know Chris Ramirez. Okay, we had him on the Haunted AF podcast. Yeah. And in fact, I'll go and put in the show notes a link to his actual episode because he's an actor Uh and he told stories about the ghosts of the Kalita Humphreys Theater, which is famously haunted Mm -hmm. by Frank Lloyd Wright. Right. And he told us about the theater ghost, which neither one of us had ever heard of. of. Yes. So Chris Ramirez is fantastic, but he's actually a well-known local actor. He's been in in the Heights. Yeah. He's seen it on Broadway. Yeah. Even. And so his review is fantastic. So again, go find that at juliesayso.com. I actually got to see In the Heights as well. And? So I think it's amazing. It looks amazing. I'm saying A plus across the board. I see Oscar nominations yes. for this one. And I don't like musicals. That's a bonus right there. If you don't like a musical and you were into Into the Heights, yeah. like that says something to me. Anytime somebody starts singing on screen, like I get <laughs> like the douche chills. Is that what they call it? Where you're like, stop doing that. Why you know? the douche chills? I know. What is it about people breaking out into song, happy song at that, that gives you the douche chills? It's like that secondhand embarrassment. It's like, oh no, no, honey, don't like, do that. Because oh, it doesn't happen in real life. Is that why? I literally have no idea why it makes, but I'm not alone. It's my whole family is like this. That is so funny. My husband, if we're watching anything and people start singing, he'll just fast forward. Even if it's good, even if it sounds fantastic. But for whatever reason, In the Heights has this feeling, this is going to sound dumb, but it feels like a movie that you've seen a thousand times, but in the best way. Okay, I love that. Yeah, like an automatic classic that as soon as it gets started, you're like, oh, I needed to see this. And one of the great things about it is that it's like the post-COVID movie. Mm -hmm. I think it's airing on HBO Max. Okay. But this is one that definitely will benefit from being in a movie theater because it has all the things that we've missed this past year. It Mm -hmm. has like family gatherings, going to the salon, going to nightclubs, big street festivals, all these beautiful things that we've missed out on. And like gorgeous people in wonderful clothes, beautiful bodies. So I'm saying A plus. Again, see In the Heights in the theater, but also go read Chris Ramirez's review because he has like a personal involvement with this that, that I don't. So you got to see The Conjuring 3. Yes. Have you watched it yet, by the way? I have. And? <laughs> I'm curious to know what you thought. You I, probably didn't like it as much as I did. I didn't, but How only- funny is that? Well- I overhyped it. It's not that you overhyped it. It's you fine. went in with low expectations. Totally. I went in with high. Right. And that's just how it goes. That's I hate going into any movie with any kind of expectation because I feel like it always taints my reviews. Yeah, which and it then, does. And then I tainted yours mm-hmm. by default because I told you it's amazing. You're going to love it. And you're like, yes, I'm so excited. And then you thought it sucked. No, I didn't think it sucked. Let me be clear about that. Okay. But I did want to share like one of my favorite Rebecca and Julie moments was when we went to see Pacific Rim yes. gazillion oh, years ago. Oh my gosh. And we got in. I think one of us leaned to the other and was like, like this is going to suck. And you were like, hot garbage. Yeah. And then five minutes in, I remember literally I turned to you and I was like, this is kind of amazing. I know. <laughs> you were 
blown away. And I get personally offended when people are like, that movie's dumb. I'm like, you shut no, the hell up. You don't even know. You don't know. That's great. That's a fantastic movie. So, but okay. I thought The Conjuring 3, The Devil Made Me Do It. You know, The First Conjuring is one of my all-time favorites. Right, I know. So It's the, hard to live up to. It's hard to live up to. And I think this one, there's a lot of great stuff going on in totally. it. Totally. There's I just, also a lot of cheesy stuff going on in yeah, it. Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a horror movie. It it's is. Got, it's got right. to. I think I was missing some of the, there was so much focus on Ed and Lorraine. Yeah. And I miss like the Perone family. And right. I didn't really care about any of the people that were involved. And here's one thing that really stood out to me. Have you seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? I don't think so. Okay. That was a movie that came out based on this like young adult scary book right. series. And there's one famous image, an illustration from those books of the naked, I don't know, naked like fat monster yeah. coming towards you. Oh, okay. So and is so, that where they got that from? Yes. And oh. when they showed that scene, it was almost a carbon copy. I need to pull up that image because when you see it, you're going to be like, damn, oh, that's like the same. absolutely the same. But they're clearly borrowing a lot in this. So there was like monstrous homages right. to The Exorcist. Right. And maybe that's why I liked it so much yeah. because of the homage factor because mm-hmm. you can predict the story as it goes on. But one thing that's really fascinating and I think the actual story of Arnie Johnson yeah. might stay a little truer to form right. than the Conjuring movies normally do. Yeah. I didn't know anything about it. I didn't either. Knowing now, like going back and looking yeah. at it, it's like, wow, they really kept it close to the actual story. Yeah. So that part was cool. I'm starting to get a thing about Ed and Lorraine Warren. They're annoying. Yeah. I'll tell you straight up. I think we're done with Ed and Lorraine. Right. And here's something, because you and I've never really talked about what our actual thoughts on the mm-hmm. real life Ed and Lorraine Warren right. are. I don't want to have my feelings of the Conjuring series tainted by what their reality actually was. Yeah. And I know anytime we post stuff about the Warrens, people mm-hmm. are like, they were horrible people, but that was a fun movie or something. Like, yeah. there's a lot of controversy around these people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the Amityville horror situation right. was a hoax, allegedly. Yeah. yeah. How did Ed and Lorraine play into that? So I did a little research mm-hmm. and I found this story about Ed Warren's potential pedophilia. Oh my. If you've ever seen photos of real Ed and Lorraine, he kind of looks like he's a little creepy looking, right? <laughs> yeah, so, so is she. She looks like scary as hell. Well, okay, here's a couple of things. Put a pin in that as okay. far as the scary as okay. hell thing goes. So allegedly, and I'll post a link to the story. It's a Hollywood Reporter story, so yeah. it's not like some bullshit thing. Right. Ed allegedly brought this 15-year-old girl into their home before mm-hmm. they were paranormal investigators. Her name was Penny. He met her when he was driving a school bus. Oh, she's 15 and she lived with them until adulthood. Mm -hmm. So they always treated it like, oh, this poor homeless girl, she had nowhere to go. So we brought her here and she's living with us. Penny says she was sleeping with Ed the whole time. And that like some nights he'd go to bed with Lorraine. Some nights he would come and sleep with her. Lorraine was totally aware of the situation. There was a pregnancy at one point and an abortion, which is also controversial since there were these devout Catholics. So Penny is referenced in older books about the Warrens. It's like no that this penny that she chick, existed. She existed and okay. was living in their home. So that's a known situation. Mm. They don't seem like nice people in real life. <laughs> no, they don't. I'm not no, even don't. taking it from what you've just talked about. I'm right. taking it from the Outside actual, of that. Yeah. So like in The Conjuring 3, at the very end, which was my favorite part where they played the actual taste yes. from The Exorcism, yes. right? Right. She sounds like awful. 
Yeah, she like, sounds mean. Yes, like mean. And I mean, I get it. Probably you got to be mean to like the demon or whatever that's inside. That's I don't nice. know, but there's something about those audio tapes that I think is the scariest thing of all. And it gives us a real glimpse yes. into who and they I are. I almost wish they would just do like a real documentary on them and yeah. play tapes and cassettes and whatnot from right. all of their dealings with spirits Which, and demons. I'm glad you said that. Discovery Plus is doing one of their, you know, they do their yes. shock docs. So they're doing one okay. on The Devil Made Me Do It. So they Perfect. are going to dig into that whole story in the court case because that's one thing they really didn't get into in The Conjuring 3 right. was there was a court case totally. and they actually argued the existence of the devil. They got him off. He served five years. And they're still married and together. Yeah. That's crazy. That, you, I don't know that I could have stayed that long. I want to know what happened to the little brother. Same. Here's another thing. And I noticed this like I think a year ago. Since working on the Haunted AF podcast, mm-hmm. one time I found this YouTube video of somebody going into the Warren's actual museum. Yeah. You know, it's open to the public now. They've got it in their house. Right. So when you watch the Conjuring movies, it's like Ed and Lorraine are this very calming presence. Mm-hmm. They're very, they're not trying to scare anybody. They're just being realistic about yeah. the situation. In their actual museum, it's like going through like, a scream Halloween shop. They've got stupid like werewolves and vampires, like all that stuff, you know? Seriously? Seriously. And this when neg- I this negates all of it for me. Same here. When I saw that, I was like, oh, y'all are making a buck. Yeah, that's exactly what that is. So that bummed me out. That said, the conjuring, if I can separate Ed and Lorraine Warren from the conjuring movies, right. that makes me much happier. It's, I think, yeah, I'm gonna have to do that too, because now I'm mad. I did enjoy the conjuring three. I didn't love it as much as the conjuring one. If I had seen it in the theater, I think I would have liked it more too because yeah. I watched it at home. There were some good jump scares in the theater. Like I love other people's reaction. They're like, ah, and then they start laughing and I'm like, yes, that was a good scare. Right. Then it's fun. Then it's fun. So what was your experience in the theater like this time? It was actually really good. Like I think everybody thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm wondering if part of my love and the audience's love for this movie is because we're back in theaters now. Right. Just being with other people. It's an event. Yes. It's, it's a thing. It's yeah. something to do. And it feels normal and wonderful. And it's one of those things. My hairdresser Kyle said, mm-hmm. I didn't realize that I wanted to go to the movies until people told me I couldn't go. And then I'm like, well, damn it, yeah, now I want to go. And exactly. it's true. Being back in there, it makes you realize what a fun experience it is. Right. And when you and I saw A Quiet Place too, mm-hmm. they right. checked our temperature. Yeah. We put on a mask. I didn't do dick for In the Heights. I didn't do dick Not even for... a mask. I think we had a... Uh, we had to wear was... a mask. That was it. You did have to yeah, wear a mask. but that was it. We didn't have to wear a mask for In the Heights. Hmm. Rebecca and I are both vaccinated. Yeah. So I, I think they probably would still want it for people who aren't vaccinated. It seems like they were already starting to loosen that up a little bit, Mm -hmm. but the social distance thing still is in place. So if you're going to go to the theater, just remember it could sell out quickly because of that. So buy your tickets in advance. And also because the prices have gone up again, my hairdresser, I just got my hair cut today. So that's why I've got, (laughs) we've been chatting with the hairdresser all day. (laughs) That's why I've got all this Kyle information. (laughs) Kyle. Way to go, Kyle. Thanks for keeping us informed. Kyle and I had, so by the time I left, I had filled him in on the simulation theory. Oh my gosh. I've been, by the way, been filling everybody in on simulation oh my god because it's such a treasure to talk about okay and we will save that go to (laughs) (laughs) go to hauntedaf.com and find us gabbing about simulation theory but kyle said he and i think three of his friends bought tickets to see cruella yeah in the theater he said it was 75 (laughs) dollars are you kidding me no and then he was like so paying 30 dollars to watch it on disney plus was at that point he might as well just rent it out the entire theater theater and invited all of his friends because it's like a hundred bucks to rent out the theater now. Right. But he did say it's worth it because Cruella is fantastic. Of course. Yeah. And I think that's another one just because it's it's big and bright and gorgeous. Aren't they already 
shopping another a Yes, sequel? yes. Yeah, that's exciting. Okay, so what is coming up? Let's see, coming out on the 18th is the Hitman's Wife Bodyguard. Have, wife's Bodyguard. Are you familiar with this one? Yeah. I don't know why they're making a sequel. I hated that first one. I did one. too. It was so annoying and yeah. so bad. So that one's, wait, that's Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds plays Selma his Hayek. bodyguard. Yeah, Selma and Hayek plays the wife. That, what could be its saving grace is Selma Hayek as being like the badass. She's it. amazing. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's what it is. Uh, the 25th is what? F9? That's the 18th Fast and, installment of the Fast, Fast and, the and the Furious. Not getting great reviews, but it's funny. You and I were bagging on it. Yeah. And then one of the producers at Good Morning Texas, where I work occasionally, she yeah. was like, I'm so excited. Fast and the Furious, that's my kids franchise. Like my kids and I go and see these together. And we really. <laughs> oh, well, that's because it's a family thing. A right. memory for them. And then I felt like a dick because we were both like. Mwah, mwah, but... I saw somebody joking that they were planning on doing another Fast and the Furious and they were going to combine it with Jurassic World. And I was like, I would pay money to see a car sliding off of a T-Rex. Or they could mix it with Transformers. Ooh, okay. I would watch that one too. Honestly, any Fast and the Furious crossover, I would be into. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this next one, I mean, talk about movies I don't want to see. Uh, July 2nd, Boss Baby. I didn't even see the first one. Me neither. <laughs> the family business. But, you know, okay. <laughs> Why is it still a baby? It should be like a five-year-old now. <laughs> Or a tween. How long ago did that movie come out? It was long enough. Long enough long to enough. be like a 10-year-old now. Yeah, very good point. But I will say during the summer, this is when parents are losing their minds because your kids are at home and you're right. like just leave me alone yeah. and so you can take them to the movie and sit there and zone out for a little while <laughs> while they don't talk to you and watch a really dumb movie so what is it called Be uh, boss baby boss baby the, the family, family business. business Jeez, louise and then the forever purge oh, which yeah i will watch that i, I am excited that to see too. that and then the following week after that i think it's going to be july 9th is mm -hmm. it is when we have shit is it black widow <laughs> Oh my gosh i have no idea i didn't know that was already ready to come out oh yeah it'll be like the weekend after fourth yeah. of july Oh, you know what's going to start streaming? What? Loki. <gasps> so excited. About yes, this. on Disney Plus. Owen have, Wilson's in this. Yes, have you heard the reviews? No. Crazy good. Oh, everybody. Awesome. They're saying like better than WandaVision. Really? It's because yeah. Tom Hiddleston is such a great actor. <sighs> He's such a great actor. Okay, what was that movie that he was in with Jessica Chastain? It was like, oh my gosh. There was one where it showed his naked butt when they were doing it. Oh, uh, it wasn't him. I know. <laughs> There's a TV show that he showed that in too. I think I like Googled it so I could look at his butt a couple of, he is just too cute. Oh, that's um, remember, if you haven't, check out the Haunted AF podcast. You can listen to that at hauntedaf.com or really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. And then find reviews of whatever movie you're looking for at juliesayso.com.